I've alluded to this before. I've even referenced it already this morning as I met with the worship team. But I just want to acknowledge that for me, preparing to preach on Mother's Day always feels a little bit like I'm getting ready to walk through a minefield. Um, it's partly, you know how you have stuff happen early on in your life and it scars you for life? Um, one year I preached what I thought was a particularly inspiring Mother's Day message. And someone lovingly in the spirit of Jesus uh, came up and told me, since I was not a mother, I had no business saying the things I said. Uh, but but seriously, when when we think about Mother's Day, everything I say has the potential to set off an explosion of emotion in the people who are listening. Every every listener has a mother, or had a mother, is a mother, or wishes they could be a mother. And for virtually everyone. Mother equals emotion. And that's not a bad thing. That can be a really good thing. Some people on Mother's Day are celebrating the great mother that they had. They are celebrating the opportunity they had to be a mother. They're celebrating the opportunity they had to fill the role of mother in someone's life who was not their biological child. While at the same time, others are grieving Some are grieving the passing of their mother. Some are grieving a mom who didn't measure up to their expectations or who actually was hurtful toward them. Some are grieving a mother who's passed. Other mothers are grieving the choices their children have made or are making. Others are dreaming of what things are going to be like as they picture their child or as they're anticipating their season as a mother. Others are filled with emotion because they're striving. I mean, they're in the harness and they're, they're just leaning into all that motherhood calls of them or calls for, for from them. Some are struggling. I, I think about, I went back and watched the, the video, which I thought was good, but the, the video that I did last year for Mother's Day. When you were on lockdown, it was so good, I thought I'd show it again this week, but Diana said, that's lame. Uh, But no, (laughs) she didn't say that. But I know the past year and a half has pressed many mothers way beyond anything they ever imagined. To me, mothers have always been the masters of multitasking just by virtue of their job description. But... This past year has taken that to just a crazy new level. And then others, I, there's just an emptiness. They, they miss their mom or moms who miss their kids. So it's a minefield. Some moms are feeling incredibly loved and others are painfully lonely. Some are ecstatic and others are overwhelmed. And I got my wife crying already. I can't look at her. (laughs) Some moms are just really, really proud. And others, not so much. Some are frustrated beyond description. Some are incredibly confident. Man, I'm nailing this motherhood thing. Don't say it out loud because you're jinxing yourself. I'm just saying. You know, some are confused. 
You know, God, I followed all the rules. I, I, I did all the steps. I did what preachers said to do. And things just aren't working out. So, after a lot of back and forth, today I ended up deciding to briefly touch on the lives of three of the mothers mentioned in the Bible. As always, my hope is to encourage the mothers, the women, and to challenge all of us to a deeper level of appreciation and more consistent decisions to support the mothers with whom we share our lives. So the first mom, again, common Mother's Day fodder for preachers, is the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 3. And just a quick paraphrase of Hannah's story. Back in those days, it was not uncommon for a husband to have more than one wives. And in this case, Hannah's husband had a couple of wives. One of them had several children, which elevates her status in their culture. And Hannah was unable to bear children. Now, again, this that a woman can behave this way just kind of makes my head explode, but apparently the one wife with kids was kind of inclined to taunt Hannah because she couldn't have children and just really laid it on. And she was devastated. And she pleaded with God to bless her with a child. And she made one of those desperate pleas, you know, that determination God, if you will bless me with a child, I will dedicate that child wholly to you. And she just prayed that. And Hannah's husband was in the practice of going to the temple on an annual basis, and and she would go with him. And she's there one day, and she's so, so desperate, so determined. Hey, Becky. All right, that's good. Let me call you out for that. All right. (laughs) You want to put it on the microphone? Uh, <laughs> so uh, she's she goes to the temple with her husband, and nobody's cell phone rings. Uh, <clears throat> but but she is so distraught. She is literally on the steps, just pouring her heart out to God. And she's and and I again I've seen I've seen Diana do this. Be so wrapped up in prayer, she's not saying a word, but her mouth is moving. Alright? Just, just crying out to God in her soul. And, and the priest sees her, and he thinks she's drunk, because she's so worked up. And he says, woman, it's like nine o'clock in the morning, what's wrong with you? You're drunk. And she says, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm just heartbroken, because I want a child. And he says, you know what? Go home. You're going to have a child. And she did. And then she went from determination to devotion because she'd made a commitment to God. She would dedicate that child to God and to his service. And as soon as he was old enough to be away from his mom, she took him and left him at the temple to grow up serving the priest. Quietly trusting God 
with her child's entire future. And I've talked a lot about Samuel lately. That's the name of her son. And what a man of God he was. And how he shaped a nation. And I just want to say as I think about Hannah as a picture of determination and devotion. Every mother must struggle to find their own unique balance between confidence in God and the illusion that they're in control. Hannah left him, trusting God. She she made an annual visit and took him a new change of clothes. Can you imagine? I wonder if she had the priest take measurements, because you know kids grow, you know? <laughs> She comes up with a pair of clothes like this, and the kid had a growth spurt. You know, it's like, oh, sorry, buddy. It's going to be a long year for you. But but I, I just, I'm stretched by that devotion and that determination. But I see it in so many mothers. So today, if you're a mom who is a picture of determination and devotion, let me just say, don't give up. I know it's easy for me to say, but hang in there. If you're the mom weeping on the steps, if you're the mom just hoping against hope for a child or hoping against hope that a child goes the direction you want them to. Don't give up. If your mom is a picture of determination and devotion, tell her thanks for that determination and that devotion. Even when that determination just irritates you because they're pushing you in areas you don't want to be pushed. And if you know a mom who is a picture of determination and devotion, by all means, encourage them. Because I guarantee you, they don't get enough. The mother of James and John, a picture of the outrageous. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, there's this story where we're told the mother of the sons of Zebedee goes to Jesus, and she says, you know, I'm having this thought, and I think when you come into your own as ruler of the world, I'd like one of my sons to sit on your right and the other one to sit on your left. Okay. She made the outrageous ask. What I find significant is Matthew doesn't even bother to say her name. It's like, yeah, yeah, oh, Zebedee, you know, mother of her kids, or his kids. Like so many mothers, she's an unsung hero who is often misunderstood. Can you imagine how the other 12, 10 disciples felt when they heard that their, their mama went and asked Jesus on their behalf? We were talking to worship, worship rehearsal a couple of weeks ago about helicopter moms and how Michelle was talking about how College students' parents are are calling and complaining on behalf of their kids. And it's like, when I was in college, the thought of my dad, because mom was gone, the thought of my dad calling to college on my behalf, it's like, what? But apparently this is not a new thing, because the mother of Zebedee's sons said, hey, Jesus, I got a plan for my boys. But imagine how the other ten felt. It's like, who is she? I'm pretty special too. My mama's not here pleading my case. 
think it's that outrageous. Moms, young, old, excuse me, moms, young and less young, (laughs) regardless of the age of your child, if you love Jesus and if you love your child, why in the world wouldn't you go to him and make every outrageous ask for their blessing? To me, that's what I expect. I've told you before, I'm convinced that maybe I'll get to heaven one day and I'll find out I was wrong. I'll I'll find out I was wrong about a lot of things. I'm convinced the reason I stand here today is because my mom went to heaven at the age of 47 and said, Jesus, there's a boy down there that needs a whole lot of help. Would you just get after him? And I suspect she was like the mother of Zebedee's sons. Get that boy where he needs to be. I would expect nothing less of all mothers. If you love Jesus, why in the world wouldn't you make the outrageous ask? But you need to understand and you need to accept that God's best plan for your child and your best plan for your child may not be the same. God honored her request in that each of her sons played an important role in Jesus' plan or God's plan. But she had no way of understanding the magnitude and significance of her request. She said, when you come into your kingdom, I want one here and one here. I don't think she saw the crucifixion coming. One of those sons was martyred because he stood so close to Jesus after Jesus' death. The other one lived out his days in exile because of his closeness to Jesus. I don't think mom saw that coming when she made the outrageous ask. But I do believe she trusted in the person she made the outrageous ask of. If you're a mom, from a non-mom, if you're a mom, don't hesitate to ask the outrageous. But always be willing to embrace, not my will but your will be done. You get after Jesus and ask for your children, but also say, Jesus, I'm pretty sure I know what needs to happen, but I I will concede you probably know better than I do. If you're a mom, don't hesitate to make the outrageous ask. If your mom asks the outrageous on your behalf, tell her thank you. You may not appreciate it at the time, but tell her thank you. If you know a mom who is asking the outrageous, come alongside her and say, you go, girl. What outrageous ask are you making? I'll, I'll pray it with you. Then, then the obvious. Mary, the mother of Jesus. A picture of heartache and hope. Again, you know the story. The crazy experience as a teenager and the virgin birth and all that came with that. The crazy trip, you know, nine months pregnant, making the trip to Jerusalem and, and birth in a less than ideal environment, to put it mildly. All of that. Raising this child who was clearly special, but you just don't quite get it. All of that. All the while wondering, wondering you know, what's... What's going on here, and how is this going to end? 
John chapter 19, verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And, And just context in case I went too fast. Jesus is on the cross in the process of dying when this is taking place. And to the disciple, referring to John, so he looks down from the cross and he sees his mom and he says, points to John, woman, here's your son, and to John, here's your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Think about the cross for a moment from a mother's perspective. I have to believe that that represents the deepest pain a mother could experience. In many ways, Mary and her relationship with the cross speaks to all the heartache a mother can face. At one point, as Jesus is journeying toward the cross, remember... Mary and Jesus' half-brothers come to check on him and and say, you probably ought to come with us because you kind of seem like you're kind of out there. Let's take a mental health break. And And people say, hey, your family's here for you. And he says, they're not my family. My followers are my family. Moms, you know. Some of you know the pain of when your child rejects you. She knew the deep pain that comes from seeing your child misunderstood by the masses and despised by those around them. And in Jesus' case, the established religion had no use for him. She saw her son betrayed by a friend. She saw him falsely arrested, abandoned by those he had trusted and poured his life into. She saw him endure an unfair trial, mocked, beaten, publicly humiliated, tortured and murdered in a gruesome fashion, all while she watched. Mothers, I know, I know beyond any shadow of doubt, some of you are hurting today. I know some of you have been deeply hurt in the past, And I hate to say it, but I know some of you are going to face heartache in the future. I do not pretend to know what it's like from your perspective. But when the pain seems unbearable or unrelenting, when you're feeling that deepest pain that only a mother can know, I invite you to look to the cross and remember you're never alone in your heartache because the cross also represents the greatest hope deepest pain yes but Mary also shows us from a mother's perspective that the cross points us to the greatest hope a mother can embrace go back in your mind to that scene at the foot of the cross It's been a while now, but remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that so graphically portrayed the crucifixion. 
it doesn't take a lot of imagination to think that if Mary is close enough to the cross that she can hear her dying son's whispers, as portrayed in the movie, she was also close enough to be splattered by his blood. And so we have this mother standing in the shadow of the cross, literally covered with his blood. But she also reminds us that he didn't stay on the cross. Nor did he stay in the tomb. Nor did he stay on earth. Fast forward 40 days. The tomb is empty. He's resurrected and appeared to those who followed him. He's ascended into heaven. And that wasn't supposed to happen. There we go. How about, I have no idea how we got that background in there, but we're good. We're good, Spence. No, we're not. We're on a song. That's interesting. We get back to my message there, the Acts passage. Technology is my friend. You know what, Spence? We're good. All right, Acts chapter 1. Just go to the just go to the greatest hope. So we'll call it good, Spence. All right, that's totally me. I biffed it and I own it. Uh, Acts chapter one. He's resurrected. He's appeared. He's ascended. And we read in verse verse twelve of chapter one of the book of Acts. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They were also joined together constantly in prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So as I think about that greatest hope... Mary endured all that at the cross. But then she saw the resurrection. She saw the ascension. And now she is there with his followers. And who's there with her? Jesus' half-brothers who had been skeptics and who are now believers. So she's gone from that deepest pain of Jesus' death and crucifixion to now seeing her family unified in the presence of God. And then as we move into Acts chapter 2, she sees her son's mission on earth literally explode with thousands of people joining the cause in a single day and then branching out to touch the known world went from deepest pain to greatest hope. As I've said already, mothers, I know some of you are hurting. I know some of you have been deeply hurt in the past. I know some of you will face heartache in the future. And again, I don't pretend to understand. But when the pain seems unbearable or unrelenting, 
when you're facing that deepest pain that only a mother can know, I invite you to look to the cross and embrace the greatest hope that there is. Hope for an eternal relationship with your God and your creator, the lover of your soul. Hope that your broken heart will one day be healed. Hope that your prodigal child will come home. Hope that there will be a possible solution to the impossible situation you find yourself in. Hope that the dreams you have for your child or that they have for themselves will be realized, even against all odds. Hope that the strained relationship will be restored. Hope that the child you were never able to hold or can no longer hold will once again be in your arms when you cross over into eternity. Hope that the waves of fear and doubt and frustration and anxiety will subside with the passing of time. Hope that feelings of joy and contentment will replace the sense of being overwhelmed that may plague you. Remember the Christ of the cross who had victory over sin and death offers each of us, even moms, a yoke or a lifestyle that is manageable. If you're a mom who's a picture of heartache and hope, just the best I have to offer is look to Jesus. If your mom is a picture of heartache and hope, walk with her in both times. If you know a mom who's a picture of heartache and hope, and let me just say, if you know a mom, you know a mom who is a picture of heartache and hope, weep with those who weep and hope with those who hope. And I'm just going to say, guys, I know sometimes some of us are a little clueless. Weep with those who weep, even if you don't know why you're weeping. All right? (laughs) And hope against hope, even if it doesn't make sense. I often wonder if Hannah's husband ever encouraged her to give up her dream of having a child. Hope with those who hope and weep with those who weep. I'm going to close my portion of service today just by praying. But but before I do, um, I just want to say again, I came to terms a long time ago that just because I have a degree or a title or an ordination certificate, my prayers are not any different than anybody else's prayers. But I also understand that because I've accepted the calling as a pastor, it is my privilege to represent something and someone that is very special. I don't have an inflated sense of my worth when I pray over you, but I do take the mantle of authority that I have to do that. And so would you join me in attitude prayer? <clears throat> Father, as we close our eyes and enter into an attitude of prayer, 
I think about uh, the women in the room right now, and I think about those who they represent, and I think about those who are listening. And I just, Father, hold out my hand over them, and I picture your hands reaching out to touch each and every one of them. And, Father, for those who are a picture of determination and devotion, I simply ask that you continue to give them the strength to keep pressing on. For those who are a picture of the outrageous, Father, I pray that you will inspire them to be even more outrageous in the request they bring to you on behalf of their children. And Father, I pray that we would reverse that and we would be outrageous in our ask for the mothers in our lives as well. And Father, I think about so many of the mothers that I know who are a picture of heartache and hope. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will bring the comfort of your presence into those women right now who are bearing the burden of heartache. That you would remind them they're not alone. And Father, I also pray for every woman that your spirit would rise up within them and inspire them to lean into the hope of the cross as it relates to them and as it relates to their children. I thank you and I ask this in the power of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.